This is the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Hi, it's me, Madam Adams, Cindy Adams, same Cindy Adams who harangues you in my column Monday through Thursday, four times a week, every week, in the New York Post. You're stuck with me, so you might as well pay attention because despite international, worldly, global efforts to get rid of me, I'm still there. Here's what I want to tell you. In the Middle Ages, in the Middle Ages, they started language. And that's what I was looking at. How did language begin? Because dealing with language, at least to understand the mother tongue sufficiently to mangle it, as I might do, I undertook a study of its colorful etymology. Like, now pay attention to me, the phrase, well, it's a lot of red tape. Where did it come from? Red is blood, the symbol of passion. When one is flushed with color, rosy cheeks, bloody fight, it began back in the 16th century. How about green with envy? There was a poetess named Sappho, S-A-P-H-O, 7th century B.C., She believed a jealous lover's pallid complexion was from an overproduction of bile, and that's where green with envy came from. How about somebody being yellow belly? Well, that represents defeat. Wordsmiths likened that to deceitful Judas, who was mostly pictured in paintings in a dingy yellow robe. Why, I don't know, but that's what it is. The phrase blackball. I'm going to blackball somebody. Well, Ellen Conroy, in her 1921 book, Symbolism of Colors, she likens that to darkness, the lack of human perception or divine wisdom. Blackball, she said, is basically the absence of of light. How about white lies? Anybody ever told you a white lie? Ah, I probably heard a few of them just this morning. It symbolizes purity. Even the smallest drop of dye, D-Y-E, or dirt, smudge, will destroy the color, hence the phrase white lies. How about in a blue moon? A real Blue moon, legit, goes back hundreds of years. In 1883, Indonesia's volcano Krakatoa exploded and turned the moon blue worldwide for nearly two years. Listen, I didn't make all this stuff up. I did a lot of investigation to get this, so I have to trust that they know what they're talking about, these people. Silver Spoon, a 1719 translation of Don Quixote's Not All Gold That Glisters and Every Man Was Not Born with a Silver Spoon in His Mouth from Don Quixote. In the pink, it dates to the 1500 pale flower called Dianthus. They're still known as pinks. I don't know what they are. I don't know where they are. I only know that this is what they told me. How about rose-colored glasses? 
from the word rosy came to use in the 1700s to indicate optimism. All that glitters is not gold. The origin was Shakespeare's The Merchant of Venice. Act 2, Scene 7, quote, All that glisters is not gold, end quote and gray area. 12th century English word greg, G-R-A-E-G, connotes a place not as desperate as a slum, but in decline, in need of rebuilding. Okay, so that's my lesson in English. Now I want to go to something else that's bothering me. Climate change. Listen, climate change ties into horrendous forest fires. We know that. But what we don't all know is that it's been having help. Like 120 arsonist arrests recently in California. There was criminology professor Gary Maynard he specialized in deviant criminal conduct. He is now charged with having set fire to the Sierra Nevadas. This is a criminology professor. He specialized, as I said, in deviant criminal conduct. He understands the crime of Carson. Arson. He is now in a Sacramento jail. He is awaiting trial. Please, help me. Will somebody tell me what is happening to us? Okay, now that I have exercised my aggravations, we are going to go into a station break so the station can earn some money, and hopefully I might too, and we will be back directly after the station break. All the dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC. I am now going to talk with Greta Van Susteren, TV commentator, lawyer, graduate of assorted institutions, was on CNN, Fox, MSNBC, criminal defense and civil trial lawyer, Georgetown Law grad, award-winning Journalist, I mean, my God, you've done everything. You come from where? Appleton, Wisconsin? I come from Appleton, Wisconsin. The census said, Cindy, when I was growing up, that the population was 48,411. And it was a great town because in the old days, we didn't have chains. My friends, uh, one parent would own the bank, another would be uh, police chief. Another would own the office supply. Another would own the grocery store. My father was the local judge. Uh, it's a very different time. No office depot, no chains, no nothing. But, of course, things are different now. Of course, if it was so great, why did you get the hell out of there? Well, I went off to college. And uh, when I was in college, I traveled the world. And uh, But one of my stops was an internship in Washington after my junior year with Senator Gaylord Nelson, who founded Earth Day. And um, anyway, I got what many people here in Washington get. It's called Potomac Fever. <laughs> and I decided, uh, I said, you know, I wanted to be a lawyer, and I'll tell you why. Why? Because when I was a little girl, before my father became a judge, at night he would take me to his office, and he had a candy drawer, which I loved, 
Yeah. And then I would sit outside at his secretary's desk, and she had a dictaphone, which was great fun to play with, and an electric typewriter. And I thought, this is such a great existence. I think I want to be a lawyer. What was he a judge of? Uh, well, he was a general jurisdiction, so he was uh, anything that came in. There were, I think there were like three county judges at the time. There are probably ten now. But uh, he, he always, he, most of all, he did criminal, he did probate, loved doing adoptions, did divorce, did everything. Okay, so this is in your veins, actually, I guess. It Wait. is. Well, the other thing, too, is that I was always in trouble in high school, and I knew I'd never be able to afford a lawyer, and I always thought I would need <laughs> one, so I thought I'd better become one. Why were you in trouble, hon? I don't know. You know, the the nuns and I, we didn't see eye to eye. They sort of had certain rules like when you could talk and who you could talk to and whether you could go off into the girls' room, girls restroom and smoke cigarettes. They didn't like that. Um, they they liked people who showed up for class. You know, they had all these, these rules. Did they and, smack um, you? Did they smack you? Oh, yes. I went to Catholic school. <laughs> and I had, uh, you know, the uniforms, the whole thing. They used to smack us hard. It was like unbelievable. Knack you right out of your desk. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Okay. So didn't you start as a legal analyst? Isn't that the way you started? I remember when we first met a lifetime ago, it was it was during the O.J. Simpson case. Yes, sort of. I started then. But, you know, I practiced law for like 12 years doing uh, I represent very poor people. I did criminal defense. I did civil rights work. And um, I just sort of, and CNN called me one day to do some legal analysis, like 12 or 13 years into my trial work. And um, I went over there and did it. It was for the William Kenny Smith case because I had tried rapes and murders. And I figured they wanted a woman who tried rapes and murders. And at the time, I had two law degrees. The women didn't have two law degrees. And I was an adjunct professor. And I thought that I thought that's sort of why they wanted me. because I, Actually, because they thought I looked good on paper. They'd never heard me or seen me. Uh, I looked better on paper than in person. And so, anyway, I went over there and basically never left. You know, a judge told me once, and if I can remember this correctly, which I might not be able to, he once said the entire system of every country depends on the law system. If you lose the system of law, you lose everything. That's what happened, he said, in Nazi Germany. Am I correct? Do I I sound like I'm saying right? I, I think you're absolutely right. And we see that particularly in the vicious attacks on the Supreme Court. Look, I don't always agree with the Supreme Court decisions, but I very much respect them and I, and I, I live with them because they provide us order. They're supposed to be immune from politics. But if you watch cable TV and other TV, you'd think they're the most incredible political animals. I mean, even last last term, I mean, uh, they're, they're now historic. They're now six, I think, or five that have a, a, a conservative background, six, I guess. And uh, everyone, so everyone thinks that this is a, a right-wing court. Well, they had, I can't tell you how many unanimous decisions they had last year that nobody's paying attention to. You know, they are not political animals to the degree that people, you know, say they are. I mean, it's just, and, and when we start making them political animals and thinking about expanding the court, we're going to make them into a junior legislature like the House of Representatives says, Senate. Boy, are we in trouble. Um, but yes, I agree with that, Judge. Okay. Before we get to all of today's questions, and I have 8 million questions about today, about our legal system, about our system in general, about New York, about America, about the global everything. Before we get to all of that, why were you once labeled notorious? I mean, you were. I don't understand that. I love you. Why? Uh, I I, I don't know who labeled me notorious. I sort of like that. I mean, uh, 
uh, actually, the, I would like to be labeled notori- notorious by every. I don't know. It's like, you know, I, I've always you know, thought, I always do things my way, I guess. You know, I always, uh, um, I, I don't, I'm not in the echo chamber. I'm not in the club. Uh, I did belong to Blockbusters, but that's the last club I belong to, I think. And I'm just not, I'm not part of the in crowd. What are you doing now? I don't know that. What? You mean, what, like right now, um, like right this moment or in my life? Well, not this moment. At this moment, you're talking to me and you're going to make a plane. But I mean, your career, where are you? What are you uh, doing? Uh, I, I'm doing a couple things. One is I have a weekly show on the um, called Full Court Press, which is syndicated by Gray Media. It's in about 90% of the country. It's on broadcast, so it's free. If you go to Greta.com, you'll see what time it broadcasts where you live. And it really is much like all my other shows in the past. I mean, I, I was able to bounce between three networks because I was never considered a political animal, so that I didn't sort of, uh, I, I didn't make it impossible for another network to hire me because I didn't have whatever politics they had. So, so it, it's much that way. It's, I think it's fact-driven. I think it's my my legal background. I care about the facts. Um, uh, more than anything else, I care about being fair. I'm not perfect. I'm human. But so it, the show is much like that. It's a Sunday show. The other thing I've been doing for about the last four and a half years is I have, as a volunteer, uh, been at Voice of America, which broadcasts worldwide on TV. And I just finally, in July, in July gave up my weekly show there, which was on foreign policy um, and things that are going on, on around the world, and converted that volunteer to, I've now made an agreement to do four documentaries a year for them. Okay. And um, I did one, I did one documentary for them called, um, it called Displaced, which got a New York, uh, New York Film Festival award, by the way. I hope you see that one. You can go on YouTube, Cindy, and see it. It's about the Rohingya who have been subject to genocide at the hands of the Myanmar military. And I spent a lot of time over in Bangladesh doing that documentary. Listen so, to me. I'm too life. busy watching my own documentary to watch yours. The hell with yours. I've got, yours I'm watching good. mine. Yours was good. Yeah, yours never mind. Okay. I'm back to questions. I okay. Do you think our commentators and TV journalists today are fair and unbiased? Well, it's a generalization. You're asking me to generalize about all of them. I think I'm disappointed in the direction of journalism goes because I really don't want to turn on the TV and turn on to a journalist and know that person's uh, opinion. There's a big difference between fact and opinion, and I think that has been so blurred and I think it's become very popular. Um, there's sort of a new wave of journalism where they're supposed to tell you what to think. I don't think that way. I think of journalism more like being a waitress, is that you go out and you get the facts, like going into the kitchen, getting the food, and you bring it back out to the diner. And you say, here it is. You let the desi- diner decide whether or not it's a good meal or a bad meal. I think things have changed so much, and I think the emphasis on trying to get ratings, which lead to ad dollars, has really poisoned the business. So I'm very disappointed, but um, I'm told that this is the new way to do it and other people like it, so have at it. It just doesn't work for me. What I, I, there's a thousand things I don't like, but since this is only 20 minutes we're going to be talking, I have to limit it. They also are so uneducated, they mispronounce words like Iraq and Kabul. Now listen, those are places I've been in, places I've lived in, places I've worked in, in Iraq and Kabul, Kabul, here they don't understand. What are we doing well, with our I, journalists? I, Cindy, part of the problem is just money. They're all staying now, and this is not the fault of the reporters, but the news organizations that want to squeeze the last time. When when I grew up in the business, and you know, and I know there's a lot of criticism of Roger Ailes. 
But I went to North Korea three times. I went to Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iraq. I'm in all these places, all over Africa. And in the old days, news organizations sent their reporters out so they learned more. And they they were eyewitnesses to news rather than just reading it off the Internet and turning and spouting it at a camera. But that's not because journalists don't want to do that. Every journalist I know wants to go out and, and hunt down the story and see the world. But there's so much economic pressure on these news organizations to meet their quarterly ratings, at least that's my opinion, is that they'll squeeze every last dime, which means if they can do it on the cheap, they will do it on the cheap. But we suffer as consumers of news because we're not getting the best quality out of the reporters. That's the trouble with you. You never have an opinion. Anyway, <laughs> so I also hate every, they're all blonde. They all have hair hanging straight down both sides of their neck, right into their breast. I hate that too. I hate all of the journalists. But now that we were well, over there. I don't understand. I'm, I'm freezing cold in a studio. If you know, I look like I'm for the last 25 years, it looks like I'm wearing a snowsuit when I'm on the air. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know how, how people, uh, I'm just freezing all the time. I, you know, I must have a different temperature clock. Listen, you are a liberal, which is a word I can barely pronounce. I am? Well, I am? Weren't you? Didn't, didn't you tell me once? You were... I don't think, I, I don't think, I don't know. I don't know what I am. I will tell you what I think about things if you ask me, like in a conversation, except not when I'm reporting necessarily. Although I will give my opinion on the air. I hate government waste, um, but um, I, it depends on the issue. It depends totally on the issue. Uh, uh, what my opinion is. I don't, I don't. I don't wear a jersey, and it's not because I'm trying to be cool or clever or dodge or be insecure of the viewers. It's just that I, I each issue to me. I have. I just have different views on it, and and the, and the other problem too is that when I learn more about an issue, sometimes my view changed a little, and I'm very much aware of that. So um, I, I, don't, I don't wear a jersey, liberal or conservative. Okay. What is your opinion of vax or not to vax? I'm, I'm vaccinated twice. I've had the booster. Um, uh, so that tells you what I think about it. Um, I've, also, I've also got my flu, flu vaccine this week. Um, I've had two shingles vaccines. I've had the pneumonia <laughs> vaccine. So I guess I've had a cholera vaccine. I've had tetanus. I've had polio. I'm pro-vaccine. You know, so um, that's where I am. <laughs> okay. I don't even want to get close to you. I'll catch everything except <laughs> intelligence. Okay. There, there is there is so much argument, so much instability and fear today. You You live in Washington. Can you tell me your view about what is the future of this country that I adore and worship, the United States of America? Where are we going? I think I, I regret to think we're going in a dark direction. And that's because we have no one who truly inspires us and leads. And I don't want to put all the blame on, on the uh, uh, politicians um, who are supposedly the ones to do that, because um, we in the media sometimes pit them against each other. We'll say to politician number one, politician number one, politician number two says you're a jerk. Are you a jerk? And then we start a fight. Um, but I think that, you know, they, they, they have lost their way to inspire us. I mean, when you've got you've got members of both parties saying just terrible things about each other, you know, and, and we expect children who are watching that to behave better. Better. I mean, this is just terrible. I, I think we've I think we've lost our sort of our, almost our moral compass in how we treat each other. And, and I don't I don't know why. But so I think we're in a dark, dark time. Yeah, so do I. What is a way to to heal our left versus right our black versus white, our civil war coming, our Democrat versus Republican? What in 30 seconds is a way to heal us? 
a common enemy, like during the Soviet Union, the Cold War, and after 9-11 for a while, um, Al-Qaeda. So we need a common enemy so we're on the same team. I don't know what that means. You're too intelligent for me. I can't figure out what you just told me. Well, we, we, we everyone just, I mean, like 9-11, everybody worked together in this country for a while because we had a common enemy, Al-Qaeda. Yes, yes, we don't yes. Have a com, we don't have a common enemy now. We just want to fight with each other. Well, so how do we have a common enemy? How are we supposed to do? Uh, Tell me how to get a common enemy. I, <laughs> I think, well, I, I had, I had, thought that COVID, the virus, would be sort of a common enemy and sort of that the country would uh, sort of almost unite in a thrust to, to beat this virus. And instead, it became political, which is just astounding to me. Uh, I don't I, I would like to see some inspiration from some of our leaders, but I don't I, maybe it's the next generation is going to have to do that. See, the trouble with you, Greta, is you're boring. You never have anything to say. Now, do you think <laughs> our, our country has now tilted too Far left, maybe? Um, it depends. I mean, look, I think that some of the policies that the far left want are very expensive. There's some things, for instance, that $3.5 trillion bill, that's way too expensive. You know, we're already grossly in debt. I'm not going to have to pay it. The next two, three, four, five generations will pay it. But there's some things that I like in it. For instance, I actually believe that Medicaid should be expanded to include vision, dental, um, and hearing, because I think, I think you know, dental work is important. I mean, having a good dental hygiene may have an impact on your heart. You know, so, I mean, so there's some little things, like I told you, there's some things I chip away in terms of I like, um, but that price tag is just too high and it's not going to pass. And why fight over $3.5 trillion when you know it's not going to pass anyway? So why not come to the table and work out what people agree to? That's another thing, Cindy, is that they have these giant bills that they know will never pass but instead, if they took little pieces of it, because I bet a lot of people agree with me that expanding Medicaid for people over 65 for dental, vision, and, and um, what about the third one, hearing, um, I think a lot of people would agree because I think people want older people to be able to see. So when they drive down the street, I want them to run into you. Listen, I mean, you're too bright for me. I'm getting nervous because I can't understand the thing you're saying, but you're saying everything that's right. You have ties to the Palins. Whatever happened to her, Sarah? I don't, you know what? Everyone thought I had ties to the Palins. That was the craziest thing. I got the first interview after um, she and McCain lost in 08, and I went up to Alaska and did a profile. And during the, and so, and I did a, a sh an hour show on her, you know, who's Sarah Palin or something like that for Fox. Well, during a break, my husband, who you know, John, talked to her, and she and she and she was talking about how she and Todd were drowning in legal bills because Alaska is a peculiar thing when you're governor and you get sued by some, another politician or something. The the state will pick up the bill and they could basically bankrupt you. And John said, "Don't you have a pack?" And she said at the time, basically, "What's a pack?" He said, "You need a pack. A pack can pay for it." So he explained how to do it. He he told her he advised her how to do it. Never got a dime from her. Never got a dime. And with that, um, it was suddenly um, everyone thought that he worked for Sarah Palin and that I worked for Sarah Palin, that we were somehow close. Friends. It was just crazy. OK, that answers that question. Um, I have a I have something that bothers me and I don't I don't have an answer to it. I probably don't even have a proper question. But here's what bothers me. The majority of university educators today are liberals. Why is that? And they are... Oh, that's all, I think that's always been true. Yeah, but why? Why? Tell me why. Uh, because it's, 
you know, it, it's a lot easier. I don't know. You know, it's I mean, just it's historically when I when I was in, when I went, was choosing a, high, a college, um, none of the kids in my class could go to the University of Wisconsin because it was considered liberal. They all went to Marquette, the Catholic school, but not generally. But um, but it's like um, they all thought University of Wisconsin was where you learn to be a communist. I mean, universities have always been thought to be very conservative institutions. I mean, very liberal institutions. Yes, I don't get an answer. Why? Why no, is that? I, 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 I have no idea. They hire they hire liberals. I don't know, but um, you know who know, who knows? I mean, I, I have another question though on universities. I think it's appalling that these universities have no sense of fiscal responsibility to the students. That they, they keep building, 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 building because they know they can keep raising, raising, raising the tuition because the students will borrow, borrow, and borrow and will be in debt for the rest of their lives and have to take jobs they may not want just to try to stay above water. I went to law school. It was one building, 643 students at Georgetown. I love the place, but it now has about 10 buildings and still has 643 students. And it doesn't even need, and all, and the library now is all on your, on your, uh, on your phone. You know, it's online. They don't even need that, that floor of the library. So I don't know why, why they keep building, 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 and why aren't they paying attention to the bottom line for these students and these families? I don't know. That's beyond my pay grade. I can't even figure out how to fix my checkbook. I have no idea. You're much too intelligent for me. So let's get to something that I can understand. What is America to fear mostly? China, Russia, or itself? What? If you were on the air, what would you tell us? I'd say China, although I'm a little disappointed in us. China, well, we were busy looking for weapons of mass destruction in Iraq that didn't exist. You know, we spent 15 years looking for something that didn't exist. China was built, was uh, starting an infrastructure program all over the world, Belt and Road Initiative. And I would go sometimes like to Africa and there'd be this giant new port. And I'd say, whose port is that? That's the Chinese are building that. Now, and they're building another one in southern Pakistan. They've been building infrastructure all over the world while we were sitting there playing uh, duck duck goose looking for we're looking for the wmd that didn't exist it's just crazy they have gotten so far ahead of us so far ahead of us that it's very disappointing even i mean and we're and we're so interlocked with them with this because we like inexpensive things like if you have a choice between a three dollar item or an identical one that's made in the u.s for thirty dollars most people buy the three dollar one that's the purchased in China. We all do. We all go for the cheaper one if they're identical. Well, we have become so dependent economically on China. All, all, even, even generic, uh, even components for generic drugs that, that's, that keep yeah, people know. alive, whether it's car, they all I come know. from China. So that's who fear, fear China. Okay. Why, why would anyone today want to bear the insults of becoming a president of this country? Is it all because they're narcissistic? What is the point? Why would anyone want to bear this? I don't know. I think it's even. I think it's crazy. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it in my life. I wouldn't even. You know what? It's. it's I won't even give a commencement speech at a university anymore. <laughs> it's just because it's like you know. It's like you can't have a good exchange of ideas. You get attacked. I, I wouldn't want to be president. Okay. Well, I'm not sure anybody's going to vote you in anyway. I don't think about your wardrobe. I don't think you would fit in in Washington. With in, in the Capitol. Tell me something else. This stupid Columbus Day that they made Indigenous Day. Did Indigenous discover the United States of America? Does that mean we're going to have that on St. Patrick's Day and every other day it's going to be Indigenous? I, I, I think we do a lot of harm to each other by not respecting each other. I mean, my, my favorite sort of corollary to that is the Harriet Tubman 
there's a huge fight about when she's going to be on the $20 bill. Somebody else is already there. I forgot who it is. Uh, I haven't seen any money since COVID. I've been doing all plastic. Um, but the thing is that w- instead of giving Harry, instead of fighting over and throwing someone off the $20 bill for Harry Tubman, why don't we just get a $25 bill? We could use a $25 bill and give her her own one instead of getting rid She's getting sloppy seconds. She's getting sloppy seconds, and we found a reason to fight and argue about whether she should be on or not. I don't get this. We should pick our battles, but we fight about things that I just don't understand why we're fighting about. Well, the trouble with you is you never have an opinion. And now I know right. you're going to hang up on me because you're going to make an airplane. And after you get off the airplane, give me a call so we can have dinner. Okay? Oh, yes, I'd love that. <laughs> me I would too. love that. Give my love All to right. John. I love you. All Thank right, you, goodbye. baby. I Bye. love you. Goodbye. Bye. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Okay, we all know about vaccine. I would like to tell you that there are people who are germaphobes with or without a pandemic. Do you remember Henry Winkler? Well, long time ago, he once showed up in Sydney, long before we had the pandemic. And in Sydney, he was carrying in his pocket 10 antiseptic wipes. At all times, he was ready to sanitize the Aussies? What did he need that for? Cameron Diaz has her own fear of picking up whatever is known, and she opens, or has, maybe not this week, but she has been known to open doors with her elbows. This is to avoid any nasties or itsies that have maybe set up shop on the knobs. Ugh, everybody knows about Howie Mandel's bacteriophobia. It's known even to unborn lemurs in Madagascar. I don't know what his problem is. It must be something that he's catching with with versions. There must be something catching with versions of the name Howie. Because then there's Howard Stern. Try to kiss him, hug him, embrace him, or lick his earlobe? Not happening. He's absolutely a germaphobe. And Trump? Admittedly, mayhap, it's psychological. Mayhap, you don't like him. I don't care. This has only to do with his germophobia. He may prefer Russians, Chinese, North Koreans, even Democrats, to anyone who hasn't first scrubbed their hands before he allowed them to enter his oval office. Okay, I've gotten rid of that. I got other things that bother me. I I I am upset about changing Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day. And since I'm here on the air, I have you to listen to me, to crab. Look, now comes Boston, and may their tripe in decrease. Boston, the city where the earliest sounds of our infant nation were heard. Its mayor also wanted to change its name to Indigenous Peoples Day. And Congress, changing the legal holiday name of Columbus Day, Spanish, Italians, Jews, Greeks, Irish, Americans, all respect this name. 
all of us, Columbus, not indigenous, discovered us. Pay attention. The move is to still all national or religious holidays. It's to have one holiday for all. Now pay attention. This is not my idea. I'm not bright enough to have come up with this. This is being slowly, quietly organized. It is not random. It's one by one. The question is, by whom? Chinese? Russians? Mr. Soros? Who knows? Wake up, United States of America. Liberties and freedoms are rotting away. Social organizations, documents, facial recognition, phones following us. The effort is to change our country. Take a look at Hong Kong. See what's happening to Taiwan. Check how Russia swallowed Crimea. Watch what's creeping through the USA. We are also into the destruction of my adored, beloved New York City. That's my religion. I'm a devout New Yorker. Liberals reputedly cared about inner-city people. So-called progressives care about who? Once 30,000 cared for in mental institutions. Now they're thrown in the streets, most uncared for, on sidewalks. How did this happen to us? So-called progressives, destroying our education system, now terminate schools for gifted children who, in many cases, having trained here, found solutions in science and medicine. So-called progressives are closing jails, putting career criminals on the streets, welcoming Central and South American immigrants, ignoring their own, is caring for the citizens of New York? So-called progressives terrorizing common-sense Democrats who care to help change my America? How about we buy you a one-way ticket to Havana or Venezuela if you think their way is better? Okay, I'm off. I'm going to speak to you again next Sunday from 1 to 2 on WABC. And I love you all. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.